Firing it up here with Tyler Gregory from The Stick. Thanks for coming on, man. Actually, I, uh, I'm i no longer with The Stick. You're no longer with The Stick? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. But uh, Firing it up here with Tyler and Gregory from Pax and Pints. There you go. Okay. Um, you know, I left The Stick about a year ago. Um, oh. Just decided after getting some tutelage from Steve uh, Towel that I, I, was, uh, I was ready to fly on my own wings and and set my own sail. So very cool, man. How yeah. big is your place? Well, uh, we got like 2,500 square feet down in Victorian. Um, we kind of repurposed, uh, an old jewelry store slash, uh, it, it was called Christmas corner. So oh, they, so- yeah. they sold Christmas stuff, uh, year round, which was, um, impressive nonetheless. So, yeah, uh, we, we went in there and, and, uh, made, a. Uh, multi-use facility, a uh, bar tavern, um, 36 draft handles, kind of craft-centric. Wow. Uh, it's pretty cool. That is cool, man. You got entertainment yeah. in there and stuff, DJs and all that, or is it just to come and listen to music and drink good beers and be in the neighborhood? That's pretty much it. I could dig that vibe, yeah. man. I uh, We would love to have some DJs and some music eventually, but um, – I don't know how it would work with the space. It doesn't quite yeah. facilitate maybe it. Maybe not. I mean, maybe you just yeah. got a good vibe, you know? Well, I mean, that's essentially what we were shooting for was just like, let's get people in here and let's show them good beer, good spirits. And then, uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of other places for entertainment. You got patties and sure. the yeah, Great yeah. Basin on there. And we, didn't, we don't want to compete with anybody. Yeah. Uh, we want to. We want to enhance. Enhance the, it. That's right. Now you got a hopping experience down in Victorian. It's pretty cool. I mean, downtown Vic- Reno doesn't know if it's coming or going. Oh God! Downtown I, Sparks is crushing it. I was. I. Uh, I've never been so happy um, as when we decided this was the place, and it was in downtown Sparks, and we were we were kind of like, what do we know about Sparks? Yeah. And uh, the whole vibe was just like brand new. I love and it. as opposed to, you know, you go in, in downtown Reno, I've worked at probably five, six places in, in, uh-huh. in the same block. Yeah. And, uh, it, it was a, a lot of the, the regurgitating and the reinventing of the old. And there's a, you know, there's a lot more, not free thinking, but it's independent, um, in sparks, which was kind of new. Yeah, you just get to go be your own place, your own identity. Exactly. Like, you think the giants are going to get a wild card? I, I hope so. I hope they do, and I hope they kick the Dodgers' ass. Oh, God. Fuck I, the Dodgers. You know, um, so I don't know if this makes me, what kind of fan this makes me, but uh, I almost don't want them to make the playoffs because I don't want to have to suffer through a yeah. playoff series because I've never seen, I like, legitimately, besides, like, 2002, 2003, uh, the year that Tim Worrell gave up the the – three run lead in the mm. seventh inning with Barry Bonds. Uh I've never seen the Giants lose a playoff series. Oh. So And you're not stoked on the idea that they're no. gonna happen. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna because I'm gonna have that same I'd rather not make it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I have that same uh perspective where it's like, oh, they're the 2010, 2012, 2014 Giants. They're gonna win. They're gonna they're gonna go in there and they're gonna crush. And mm-hmm. I think as talented as uh, this team is, and as good a job as Gabe Kapler's done, I mean, it's going to be hard pressed to for that team, especially with Yaz out, um, to make a, 
a legitimate push into the playoffs. 2020 team looks a lot different than 2010, that's oh, for sure. God, it, you know, still a couple constants. My favorite player is the big giraffe, man. I love Brandon it, Belt. Yeah. Uh, the Brandons are like a couple of those guys that I just hope. Uh, God they, bless him, that unforgettable home God. run. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I hope the Brandons decide that they want to quit and they don't go play for other teams. I'm, I'm kind of a, yeah, yeah. I never want to see them in blue either. Yeah. Dude. I would make me, that's a heartbreaker. <laughs> oh, God, like the, the, the perspective of them, like or prospect of them playing for another team is kind of, uh, chilling. Um, yeah. It's ways. unnerving. That yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so you, uh, you got TVs in the, in the new place. Yeah, we got, um, we have 11, 12, HD, 4K TVs. Oh, we got yeah. the football package. We got, Showing I mean, the games. I, you know, I took some of the, the cool things that I learned from Steve, which is, you know, you can have entertainment on a day-to-day basis. If you have good TVs, great pro- programming, and, and you throw some beer specials out there. And uh, that's kind of what we adapted out there. And then we we wanted to push more into the, the beer-centric um, craft cocktail centric idea. So we adapted from basically we took a sports bar and then, you know, Jamie Fico down at beer envy and, uh, Paul Ganser and Brett Schaefer up at the three ninety five. We kind of took that whole ideal and then, uh, you know, brought it down to adapted it to make it more of a sports bar and yeah, uh, yeah. give it some place. vibe and put it in sparks. Yeah. Sparks people like that. We're a different. Co- I'm a sparks people, which is yeah. probably something. That, I mean, I'm born at St. Mary's, like everybody here. But, <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I grew up in so many sparks guy, and and I think that you can feel that difference when you deal with Reno, like true Renoans. Yeah, it's uh, it's super cool. I mean, I'm, I I was born. In at St. Mary's, like you said, but my uh, my family's been in Reno since the late 1800s. I'm a fifth generation uh, yeah. Reno, Reno high graduate. That's yeah. uh, deep Reno in roots. Yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, I like I I love this town, I, and I and I love everything that Reno and the Sparks area has to offer. Um, I just think that Reno's kind of lost touch with what it used to be even 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, well, when you let people come in from anywhere and do anything they want unfettered, yeah. then you, you're going to get a change. I mean, it it brings us to what brought you out of Reno and into Sparks in the first place, right? I mean, working, doing business in the city of Reno has become pretty difficult. It's incredibly difficult. I mean, you're working against you know, this whole gentrification mode that everybody's in. And, uh, you know, the word gentrification comes with uh, a lot of weight and a lot of, Mm. you know, modernization. When I was writing my business plan down in Sparks, um, I had my mom edit it. And my mom, journalistic, uh, she she was like the summa cum laude or whatever of mm-hmm. her journalism mm-hmm. class yeah, 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 for her master the kind of person that should be editing yeah. a business plan yeah exactly and so yeah, I, yeah. I i always go to her for uh for any edits that i need and god bless I, privilege brother oh well you know she she to give my mom a bunch of credit she got that she got that recognition while 
raising three kids mm. and working a full-time job. So she, mm-hmm. my mom mm-hmm. worked her ass off. It's fucking him, man. And it sounds like my mom is a judge in the area. Yeah. And she started as a fucking court clerk for 25 years. She was had a second job at Rite Aid. While she was sitting on the bench, she was working at Rite Aid at night, raising four boys. Yeah. Fucking I, A, man. I mean. That's why I say the words, God bless privilege. It's fine for me to acknowledge my privilege. Having a judge mother has helped me more times than I can fucking tell you. <laughs> I don't mind acknowledging the privilege and blessing it. I'm responsible with my privilege. I try to use it to help. You know what I mean? But fucking God bless it. I, I, I would agree with you in many ways. You know, I, I've, uh, I've, I've lived, you know, not a stereotypical life, but I have uh, definitely gotten to have 10 years or five years where I disappeared from, uh, I think, some semblance of normal see, mm-hmm. and I've gotten okay. to, I've, I've been given the option to come back and refigure out my shit. Amen, uh, pal. I filed for bankruptcy and. God, that was 2009. I bought a house in 2006, and uh, you know I, I've 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 run the gamut. I've tried to leave this city and this state so many times, uh-huh. and uh, you know I I just keep getting called back in, and that's kind of where in uh, in 2014 I met my wife, and I I had been fighting with trying to like find my identity in Reno. Yeah. And I, I literally like walked up to my wife and asked her if she was a vampire. Cause I wanted to suck her face. <laughs> and <laughs> it was, it was like legit. That was my pickup line after, uh, and it didn't like, it feel like the A-est of a game. <laughs> no, and, but it was, I, I thought I was on point. I'd had like 10 shots of tequila and multiple beers. We were watching the USA Portugal game, like in the world cup. And, this girl's just staring at me from across the bar, and I was like, "I gotta go make a move." Yeah, and that was her. that was the best move that I could come up with. Was like, Fuck it and so I walk over there, and I'm like, "Are you a vampire?" And she goes, "Yeah, I am." And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and she just busted my whole like my whole move was That's gone. Not what you're supposed to say? <laughs> no, <laughs> like I didn't even get to say the suck your face thing, and it was. And so we uh, we were hanging out at Old Bridge, and you know we just started chowdering beers. And my uh, my sister's birthday, not her birthday, uh, her wedding was on the next Friday, and this was on Sunday. And I, you know, I'm drunk, obviously, and I I'm like, <laughs> uh, do you want to go to my sister's wedding with me? And she's like, maybe you should ask me tomorrow when you sobered up a little bit. Wow. And I. Uh, I got up for work at 5 a.m. and texted her immediately, like, no matter how hungover I am, I I would love for you to come to my sister's wedding. And then literally, I was, from the moment I met her, I was in love with her. It was, like, incredible. But My man. She kind of brought, like, all this bewilderment that I had with, like, being a Reno and, and, uh, and, and kind of figuring out where my place was in this society. Um, She grounded me. And then I was able to kind of like move into the directions and adapt the way that I needed to. That makes so much sense, brother. It's exactly the story for me. I mean, I met my wife at a wine walk by accident. She walked in and I seen her and I just fucking interrupted her ability to walk out. And I was like, you are coming home with me, basically. And it was, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, it, it hits you fucking hard. when, you, And when you're in that space where you're really, really not, you know, I was so like 
same spot where you're talking about where I had no fucking idea who I even was or where I was going. I definitely didn't have anything to offer this person. Yeah. I, uh, my wife's been incredibly patient. I was still going to school. I, I think I, I, at that point in time, I was, I was like studying to become, a. Um, I was either going to go and get my master's in English lit, which God knows what I'm going to do with a master's in English lit. Um, besides go and get my doctorate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll write stories about Devin Reese. Trust <laughs> me. That guy's terrible. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, he's naive. Very. Oh, I think that's a good way of saying that too. Cause it, it, that says a lot. Actually, he's, he's so new in there and he's appointed and he has no idea what he's doing. He's just getting run over a little. I think that, you know, when you get into a position um, in a city council or uh, any any position that has an effect on commerce in our society here, you definitely need to um, cut naivety out of there and and become a pillar of choice mm. in many ways. And and his his wishy washiness and his conservative. I mean, I, I say conservative, not on a political way, but uh, it it's really hard to explain to people that we didn't elect you to to ride the bench and well, let's and start here we didn't middle. elect you at all right. first of all that's true you ain't even elected yet so you're already pissing people off and we we haven't even decided we want you there yeah yeah and by the way he was a conservative he flip-flopped to being a democrat when when he ran for state senate because he thought it would get him the more inherent votes and i mean i think that's essentially that's what you said about wishy-washy. Yeah, definitely that's, that's what's, I mean, there's so much wrong with our political system right now, but that's essentially like when, when you're worried more about votes than what you stand for, mm. uh, we have an issue. And I, I think essentially that's, I mean, regardless of the city, the township, the county, everything, um, people need to start taking ownership for what's happening in their backyard. And I think if that happens, things will be better. Dude, you're dead right. People are very tripped down about the presidential election, and I'm watching that at-large race like a hawk because that's where you can... You know, people are sometimes afraid to affect that kind of change because he's our neighbor and we got to live with him. Listen, my neighbor's fleecing the fuck out of me right now. He sold a development project to Lake, Lake Ridge for five grand. He gave a no vote, then gave him a yes vote after he got paid. They leveled that fucking Lake Ridge pool that's been there 50... Every Renoan knows how important the Lake Ridge pool is. Travesty. Travesty. They leveled it, and now they've stopped the project altogether because citizens got pissed off. Well, yeah, because they were going to change all that housing to 55+. Plus. And, and don't get me wrong, it, yeah. it, it's fine if that's what what is needed. Yeah. But the problem is, is when you're when you're developing exclusivity by age like and you're using that prime real estate for that sort of venture like you're there are a ton of working class like working people that would love to live in that area mm-hmm. that live in those apartments around there that were enjoying the facilities mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're going to it's like Del Webb up in Somerset. Like those houses are beautiful and those houses could be repurposed, but those houses are stuck at 55 plus. What is the fucking point? Well, and why not designate portions of it for that? You know, there's so many ways around that. And, and additionally, if you're going to do that, get the project right. 
the fact that they keep changing it and reducing it and pulling it, why are we destroying, why are we doing demo work when we haven't even got a plan? Why is that occurring? Because somebody got five grand, that's why. Yeah. I mean, that's... (laughs) Campaign contributions go a long way, man. (laughs) Yeah, especially when they come 40 grand. Into Daybreak was the same, flip-flop and mega The one that pissed me off about Daybreak was... After so he goes in the meeting with these guys in the RGJ Prince. He had a backdoor meeting with Daybreak, and then he receives funds, changes vote. I mean, patternistic, right? And then when they call him out, his response was, "It isn't even that much. It's like eleven <laughs> percent of what I have in total." Well, I'm like, "Whoa, Mister went from bankruptcy to suddenly has half a mil. I wonder what's going on." And eleven percent is <coughs> pretty substantial. That's a when, that's yeah, I mean, you're, dude. You're talking about. For every hundred grand, you're talking about twelve thousand dollars. And name one small business in this area that wouldn't go for twelve thousand bucks. Dude, right and now. you're hitting the nail on the head, dude. You're so smart with that. I'm very happy that you pointed that out. Uh, and and thinking about you just said a moment ago, you had a bankruptcy. You're not rolling around in half a mil. Why yeah. is that? I just think that uh, you're hitting a nail on the head. That that we have to consider what neighborly actually means. I, you know. I I have you know getting back to that privilege thing. I've mm. I've uh, I could afford to file bankruptcy. I could afford to you know um, reset my life because of the circumstances that I've I, I have. But I think that honestly, in our in our society, like more people need to understand that the governments and the businesses that that are operating supposedly at our benefit are actually costing us money in the long run and that we need to start to play by the rules that they're playing in Mm. and Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. it changed my whole perspective you know i uh i i moved to germany for like six months and um i was trying to become an expat and learn the language and find my wife and do all kinds of stuff and this was back in 2012 2013 Mm -hmm. and uh i i it was funny because when I would go into the, um, to like the government building there, cause I had to go keep extending my visa to try and stay longer because they wouldn't extend me a, a anything more than a 90 day work visa because my bank account wasn't big enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I had a job, I was teaching English, I was doing all this stuff and it was amazing. Um, the, the questions that they were asking me weren't about like, well, why are, why are you here? It was, what do you want from us while you're here? Oh. And um, the my approach changed in many ways, and, and it kind of reset my, uh, my whole thought process because they, you know, when you live in government housing in Germany mm. and you need a, as opposed to going to the laundromat, they pay for you to get a, a dishwasher or a, a a clothes washer and a dryer mm-hmm. when they, when you need more time they give you like to do things they they find ways to help facilitate and cost less money whereas we uh-huh. just throw money at the problems got it got it and yeah. uh-huh. it was it was kind of weird because i you know i was talking with you know multiple friends over there and and they're like you know they're obviously at an elevated status but they were talking about the the governmental support was on necessities not on just giving cash to people and then letting them develop like a way to spend that cash. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have people that go to laundry mats here and spend, you know, 150 bucks a month 
So as opposed to giving them 150 bucks, which it, over the course of a year yeah, is 1500 bucks, give them, yeah. give them a washer and dryer. <laughs> uh, maybe and, a card that functions. Th- yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And, then, and then they got, and then you get more bang for your buck. And what we're, we're so sensationalized by the dollar and by what's going on that we fail to actually look at the long-term effects of what's of, and, and like the, uh, the real cost mm-hmm. of giving people money as opposed to answers. Right, right. Imagine if you tried to run your business this way. <laughs> oh my God, you wouldn't have a business. No, I'd, I'd, Yo, I'd have gone out of business a long time ago. Yeah, uh, you know, and <laughs> there's just so many things you mentioned. Uh, you mentioned the, how we view the dollar, the sensationalism, and the. The worship, the, the truly worship. You know, money is supposed to be sort of a symbol of, of our freedom and trust. It's, it's not supposed to own us in those things. I think that money is the chain that enslaves us. Oh, wow. And, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't say that very lightly. Uh, you know, we're all pressured into you look at you know some of the choices that these people that people make and it's based on a dollar value mm. you know you're not going to go out there and you know you, you look at uh, you know the uh, there's this the sex trade in many ways is predicated by the dollar value of of yeah, yeah. a body yeah, and yeah. Of what lo- sex is worth right. right 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 and then but there's a value essentially associated with age groups in that and yeah. as well and there's so and human I'm, beings are a little crazy about what they value and how we exactly. used to really have high value jewelry now jewelry is far less and electronics are through the roof right yeah 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 and there's i mean you know and then but you look at what a iphone was worth or what it's worth now. You you pay fifteen hundred bucks to have a computer attached to your hip yeah, at yeah. all the time. And Every two years you pay yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. The, Sign me up. It's just a button. I never have to watch cash go out. This is great. Exactly. You just get you get uh, inundated with this this idea that like this is just the cost of living. And and that's kind of the the most uh incredible concept to kind of grasp is like Yeah. I'm not in control anymore like it's, yeah it's very weird and there's you know there's people that fight it and there's people but it gets back to that naiveness that yeah. we kind of associated as a as a society where people just assume that like oh i've got a cell phone and a car and i can i have a house that i live in i'm doing good yeah and in actuality like 90 percent of those people are struggling on a day-to-day basis yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. where the naivety of naivety, whatever it is, of, mm-hmm. of, you know, what Devin Reese, I think, stands for is, is kind of, uh, it's the new precedent for where yeah. we're going is, is that like, well, we'll get by on handshakes and hugs yeah. as opposed to like, let's, let's actually take care of the fucking shit that's going on. Well, you're hitting let's do the nail it. on the head super hard because money functions a very specific kind of way. And most people don't realize how it functions. I'm really not sure. Devin, uh, Reese has a great idea of how money actually functions. Because it's like, often I see people try to stop the money at them. They, they try to make it to where the money's at. Money is sort of meant to flow. And right. if it's flowing as it should, then everybody in the, that chain you mentioned should be getting at least fed. Right. right? 
but but when you get to that person who doesn't really know how to manage money, doesn't know how to let go of it without feeling the loss of that money, you know, these types of variables, you, you get the Devin Reese effect, a guy who will sell any part of the city to just make sure there's more money in there because he's never secure enough. Well, I mean, for lack of a better example, look across the street. I mean, sure. that, that Aces Stadium is... It's beautiful, and it yeah. is wonderful to have in downtown Reno. And the uh, you know the economical effects of having something like that on the surrounding areas is important. Mm-hmm. But the city of Reno has not made one dime on that building. No, and true. they've actually sold and continue to sell the any value that they would or could get out of that building. And they subsidized the hell out of the building. They gave these guys millions. And when I went in there to rent that venue, by the way, I've, I've promoted a show in that baseball stadium and the people were accommodating. It's, you know, the people that are in there are fantastic. It's Mm -hmm. like, I don't blame them for doing business, but here the city has used taxpayer, my dollars to, to, to give these guys, and when I went to rent the thing, I was charged full rack rate, even though my event was like 10% the size of what usually goes in that stadium. So the business had no problem profiting off the little guy. I got, of course, my ass handed to me. The city did not participate in promoting my event whatsoever. Uh, and I felt somewhat lucky that they didn't impede me from being able to obtain the license in the first place. I, and I think that's kind of the issue with, you know, you look at that facility specifically is that it's, you know, for, for Reno people, like people that are as invested in this city, this town as as everyone else, they, they look at it and it, yeah, it's very nice to have, but at what cost? Yeah. And, you know, there's, it's not like, you know, you pay taxes and you get a couple free tickets a year. There's no incentive. Nothing. And, and what it turns into is like, it's a big cash grab. At any point in time, when they're out of contract, they can, they can just pick up, leave, yeah, and yeah. leave us with, a, with something that's going to go into... It'll look like Moana Stadium. Disrepair, exactly. Yep. And, then, and then they take it to the Raiders. And they say, do you want to fuck the state the same way? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I know. And that's what they do. And, you know, and the city, the state, the county in many ways, they're they're continually robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yes. And um, the problem is, is that, like, we're... We're all on the outside. We're not even in that equation in many ways. Well, the only time they factor us in is when they need our money, when they want to put the taxes out there and add the extra property taxes and all the things they've been doing for two years. I mean, look at the Reno Ambassadors. I I love the program. I think the program is is founded in the right place. I think it's fine. I think it's supposed to be security for the casinos. Right. I have things I would do the ambassadors. I can't even get them to call me on the phone. Meanwhile, I got six homeless guys sitting right out front using needles on my patio right by the stadium, just like you talked about. Exactly. So what are we doing here? Yeah. And these guys are making, you know, they're making a a substantial wage to ride around on Three thousand dollars segways and five thousand dollars segways and or whatever the cost of those things. So are. now then, Segway has actually pulled their sponsorship of the program, and there is no segways. So they're walking around on foot doing yeah. that. And <laughs> the, which I mean, shit, 
pay me 20 bucks an hour. I'll walk around in circles and, sure, yeah, and yeah. pretend to like deal with problems. And I think it, it, I'm all for the creation of jobs totally, but like, let's, let's do it. My thing, like, let's not charge the businesses twice it's, to get jobs for one other. Yeah. It's gotta be sustainable. That, that position, the Reno ambassadors is not sustainable in any way. It is way. not sustainable. It's and a temporary fix. It That's is. True. And it's what it is, is it's the fallacy of doing something in the, in the right idea, but it's, it's all about perception at that point. In, time. in the moment, right. People were pissed off about homelessness, so we had to create a problem and, or excuse me, a solution. And now here's what our solution is. And yeah. people went, yay, we have a solution. But if you look at it up close, like a guy working at the stick formerly. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, so I come from like a ranching family, like, uh, you know, we've, we've been all over. And I've, I, I have and will continue to say that I think that the, one of the steps in reducing our homeless population is definitely in, in educating and enabling mm. and putting, I don't know why we, I mean, we have, we're what the fifth or sixth largest state in the, in the U S and we, we have all this BLM land. We have all this unused land. We have everything. We've got water in, you know, in the aquifer underneath us. And, and there's just, there's so much potential. And the state could easily be buying similar to what they're doing at like Walker in Walker Lake where they're buying water rights. And the state could be purchasing water rights and developing a, you know, a farm or a ranch within region mm-hmm. that where you, you know, you give these people an option, you can get housing, you can get educated, you can get um, emotional support, you can, you can do yeah, all these right things. Right there on the property, healing and rehabilitating right. yourself, and, learning a skill, doing and, some things. Yeah, yes. and then you go out and, you know, you have, you know, you have guys that go fix fences, you have guys that are, you know, digging trenches, you have guys that are doing, you know, just wielding a rake, wielding a broom. Give these, give people a purpose and give them a way to try and figure out their shit. Mm-hmm. as opposed to just pushing them around. Because right now the homeless population is just being pushed in directions. Right. And they feel like there's, like the minute they get comfortable, you look at Tent City. It's mm-hmm. like, rip it up, let's go. Get and, them out of here, yeah. But the, the problem is, is that we're we're pushing them closer and closer together, which is only causing them more issues, and there's no structure in there. And so coming from my, you know, the background that I have, I, I worked my entire childhood, you know, ripping up rocks and, you know, building fences and cutting down sagebrush and doing shit so that I could Mm -hmm. have money. And it gave me a sense of value, like for, for what I'm, the effort that I'm putting in. And I think that's what, with the homeless population specifically, that's what they're missing is they're missing a purpose. And Mm -hmm. whether it's going, you know, going out and, and fixing a fence or building a fence or going out and tilling a yard or doing this or doing that. And, and instead they're, they're, fe- they're made to feel much like the restaurant industry or the bar industry mm. was where they're insignificant enough to where they're just disregarded. Yeah. And I think they do a really, really good job. In fact, um, this is another, I'm just going to keep hammering this guy today. It seems like, but it's another one that I'm going to circle back to, to Devin Reese on because you can't, pretend to have compassion for homelessness and people experiencing it while simultaneously taking steps to remove their dignity. Right. Exactly. Yeah, you know what I mean? And you're hitting it on the head. They, they're they corralling them and saying, compassion, compassion, compassion. 
But then they're sending RPD out and, and they won't even let the media come in to see the claim. That was deeply disturbing to me when you had when you had the council member down there and the police down there and everybody clearing this area of homeless. But the media showed up and they're told you can't come back here. Why? What are you doing back there? And, and I think, you know, when we really get to hitting on like the the deep parts of what's wrong with the gentrification of mm. Reno, mm. Um, it starts there. I yeah. mean, we've we've done a pretty insufficient job of creating. It doesn't even have to be low income housing. It just has to be housing or opportunity. And and we've created these, you know, these almost vacuums that are just sucking people through. And you know, you look at what's going to happen with the rent crisis once they they make they uh, enable evictions, mm-hmm. and you're going to have twenty thousand people in the city that are going to be out of home because they didn't get any support from local government. Meanwhile, the local government is putting together these programs which are farces, and you know, oh, you can get five to ten thousand dollars in rental help if you. Only if you didn't take a PPP loan or only if you didn't do this or only. If, and there, there's all these regulations where it's like, look, nobody's looking for a handout right now. Yeah. But everybody People needs help. fucking help. Yep. So, like, stop putting these these parameters and these rules on what's going on and actually fucking help some people. Yes. And that, I think that's where it starts. And that's where it, take care of the shit in your backyard and, and kind of get out of this idea that, you know, We've been, for six months, it's been worry about yourself, stay inside, do this. And now we're at a point where it's like, okay, stop. Stop just worrying about yourself and start worrying about your neighbor who has lost their job and they have a mortgage and they've got kids in college Bingo. or they've got this or that. And figure out a way to help them out. That's honestly, dude, and I got hammered for this because... This fucking thing, I don't know how it blew up, but all of a sudden I'm getting this video from from Devin Reese's own brother. And the guy's talking all the stuff we're saying here today. He's naive, he's chippy, he's greedy. It's, it's the writings on the wall everywhere. And for some reason, people were so easy to dismiss this man because Devin came out and said he's, home, you know, he's got mental health and substance abuse. Puts him on blast. And I'm and and I watch like hundreds of people like oh this is so Devin you poor guy I'm are you fucking kidding me so I got involved I decided fuck this I'm gonna get involved and I I reached out to this dude I'm like yo tell me what's going on now the brother is wacky as fuck too okay but these two men <laughs> talk to each other the same way they engage the same way they say the same horrible things back and forth. If the one's got mental health issues, so does the other, because it's the oh. same. Now, I, I bring it up because you talk about what you have to do to actually help. But when I saw this, I decided I was going to help. I, it, it, was, it was just a little too disgusting for me. And so I, I got in touch with uh, Sean Reese, and I said, here's, here's what we're going to do, man. I, I'm not going to help you financially. I'm not interested to hear about your problems or the things going on that are self-created. We all have those. Uh, but I am interested in helping you figure out how to you know, manage your own waste, so to speak. Uh, and so we took him down to the Reno Problem Gambling Center 
and uh, Red Hawk Counseling. Had him talk to the counselor there and get an evaluation. Cost me 300 bucks. I didn't mind paying it because that's what you're talking about. You're going to fucking help your neighbor. You're going to help your neighbor. And I'd have done this for any fucking person. I've done it multiple times for other people. This is not an isolated sense of help for me. Ordinarily, I wouldn't talk about it except for this moment. It's so imperative to hear that Sean Reese, no matter what he's going through, he's telling the truth about his brother. He's definitely telling the truth about his brother. And and now I've seen enough to know, like, the guy's willing to get... You know the kind of shit he asked help for? Let me tell you this. He didn't He didn't hit me up for, like, hundreds and hundreds of dollars for rent and this kind of thing. He says, okay, so I got to get this license because I, I have to have it in order to, to do my work. I'm a surgical tech with the hospitals, usually. And my license expired in November. And I don't, I don't have the, the money to get that renewed, so I can't get the job. How much is the license? $45. $45 fucking dollars is standing in your way of a job right now? Okay, first of all, you have to overcome that. <laughs> That's not okay. But second of all, if I'm that guy's brother, I'd fucking shell out 45 bucks, no problem. I may not give it to him. I might go down and buy the license myself, right? Right. But those kinds of helps seem so small to me. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, I think, essentially part of the the struggle when it comes to, like, the mental health aspect mm. of, of, you know, having a job and a, a sense of, you know, place. Purpose, like I said. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, from his perspective, he, it has to feel like a ton of money where he's, he's prioritizing where he can't sub yeah sub out 45 bucks I, I can tell you that having spent now the last about five weeks sponsoring sean reese and his girlfriend and having a real full picture of them i see why they're stuck in the place they're at they're not unhelpable but i can tell you that the guy's been enabled with the wrong things for 50 years of right. his life and now it's just a very difficult thing to get him to understand what is important because he's a little stuck in the what he's drowning in. What he's drowning in seems like what's important. Whereas like, you know, he, he's got a job sort of lined up and, and it looks like that's going to happen now too. But we got him a job when, uh, potentially in the mines. Nice. Yeah, so the dude's going to make good money. He's going to be fucking solidly busy for a week at a time. Then he's going to be able to spend his money how he wants for a week and go back to work. If if he's got it in him, he's got a way out. It's I mean, uh, it, it's funny when I I look I look back on my life and uh, you know in two thousand eight two thousand nine I graduated from UNR and uh, I man I went on like a three day bender. I was a two pack a day smoker. I was I mean I was all over the place at that point. You were in time. crushing it. Yeah, I was I was uh you just had L M F A O playing yeah. in your head all the time. <laughs> that was uh that was probably where I ran into you all the time at Tonic, you know, like getting into trouble at two o'clock in the morning. And uh I uh literally I can remember my parents like my birthday and graduation were like the same weekend. And so mm. I had just gotten ripped. And didn't have a care. I was excited to graduate. I was excited for my birthday. I was excited to do this. And um, my parents literally like had one of those sit downs with me in the in my room. They they like I can remember my stepdad kicking me in the shoes because I had fallen asleep on my bed with my shoes on, and he's kicking the shit out of me. And he's just like, "Wake your ass up!" And I was like, 
what the fuck do you guys want? I'm I'm hungover. I'm like in between. Like I got an elephant sitting on my chest because I just hammered like three packs of cigarettes last night. And I'm like, just leave me the fuck alone. And they're like, now what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't... I'm going to lay right here and die for a while. What do you want? (laughs) Why are you guys pressuring me right now? Like, what is the point of this conversation? Like, and Mm -hmm. from my mom and my stepdad, uh, from their position, it was, okay, like, are you, now that you're not going to school and you're not doing this shit, are you going to be, are you going to get sucked down this well? Mm. And I didn't realize it at the time, but like, that was what they were asking me. And I, you know, I, I met with like mm-hmm. great contention and they, you know, they, they literally sat me down and were like, let's figure it out. Let, mm-hmm. Let's figure it out right now. And I'm, you know, I'm fighting with them left and right. And I look back on that moment and it's literally one of those moments of clarification for me because, uh, I, from that day moving forward, I, my misery was only self-induced. Mm-hmm. So if I was hung over, it was because I, I drank too much. If mm-hmm. I was, mm-hmm. you know, if I had heavy lung, it was because I was, I smoked too many cigarettes that mm-hmm. night before. And I, it kind of identified that my issues were mostly self-induced. Yeah, and, yeah. and I, their whole point was like, dude, we'll support you. We love you. Like, but you got to figure this shit out. You're mm-hmm. 27 years old and you're, you just, gotta be better than you are right now and what we want you to do is we're proud of you for graduating we're proud of you for you know going out and having fun you know they don't, mm-hmm. they've got no issue with me drinking they've got no issue with me smoking pot they got no issue with me smoking cigarettes they had no issues with anything yeah, yeah. what they wanted ass to do long ass. exactly mm-hmm. what they wanted me to do was focus on on what the next step was was am i going to find another job am i going to find a good job am i going to you know am i going to find a girlfriend um, am I going to have kids? Am I going to do that? And th- these were all questions that like, you know, I had, I had kind of like disregarded because I had gotten caught up in what I was doing on a one, like one day at a time basis. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they kind of refocused me. And it, I mean, it took five years to reel my shit out of, of that. It's a uh, big process, isn't it? And they're, they're dead right, man. Because once, once, once we accept a lower standard of ourselves, it becomes that much harder. So Sean Reese, he's got a pretty tremendous hill to climb to his own self-accountabilities. Right. My thing is, I'm. he asked for help climbing it. I started helping him, and I'm watching him climb it. So he may still be down there at the bottom. You know what I mean? But this dude came looking for real help, and, and, and he got ostracized for that he he kind of got the shit in his stick and and i'm sure the person that is as far into life as sean reese there are plenty of people who are like yeah good you know it's how it was for me i i i i had you know people abuse the word epic in our society (laughs) right I had a pretty fucking epic crash. Not a lot of people crash in life like I crashed in life. It was a crash from the clouds. And and that's one of the things that got me involved is it's like, dude, I, I know what it takes to fall that far into your own fucking stupid shit and and what it takes to start that climb out and how long I mean I'm I'm nine years into this thing now, yeah. you know. And I'm dude, I'm I'm twelve years into it. And, see what I mean? and it's still I mean like 
it, it is a struggle every day. Like my my wife and I met in 2014, and I was already six years climbing out of this fucking hole. Yeah, and it's it's hard for her because she. So it's weird because I was I've always been a happy go lucky kind of gregarious guy, and uh, in 2008 2009 I was losing friends left and right because I was mm. just a sourpuss. Mm-hmm. I mean, for like mm-hmm. I, you know I was I was wallowing in my own basically filth at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Like, and the filth was my, my yeah, your stuff to my, deal with. I understand stuff. you weren't actually a stinky unshowered no. guy. There were a few of those in Reno. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's weird though. Cause I, I still meet people that knew me that met me from 2006 to 2008. And they judge me for that era of my life. And, yeah. but they don't know any of the baggage that I was carrying. None of the other stuff. Cause nobody really cares about that. That's the thing is like yeah. nobody really cares about what you're going through. No. What they want to see is, is progress in many ways. Sometimes they just want to be a part of the story in some way. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people still hang on to my story just so they can think that they were a part of it. And I'm kind of like that person. I've not seen that person <laughs> in 10 years. That person don't know me. <laughs> so it, that is inherent with what comes with it. You're yeah. right about that. And so, I mean, essentially I had to become right with myself yeah. before I could ever make a, any sort of change. And, you know, I was lucky enough to have, um, a supporting cast in my my family and mm-hmm. um, some really great friends that didn't write me off and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know were part of the solution and then it kind of materialized into me trying to reinvent myself in Germany in 2012 and 2013 and then I spent six months in a room by myself through the winter in Germany and I I one of my like literally the godfather to my parents or to my kids. Uh, I told him I was going to come back to Reno and that I, I was coming back in February and I, you know, I had, I had to make a choice literally between like going bankrupt in again in Germany or coming back home and, and moving in with my parents. And he came out and was like, like his name's big Dan pharmacy, Dan. And, uh, he is, he was just such a stud. He was like, you know what? I'll come out for Christmas and I'll stay for like six weeks and we'll get drunk and have fun. And, and he'll kind of like restart my engines. And we, you know, I, I had like 1200 bucks to my name and Mm -hmm. you know, this guy had, you know, he's a full-time pharmacist, uh, you know, at one of the local hospitals and he's just an incredible human being. And he literally was like, I don't give a shit about money. Like I care about you. And he came out and kind of like reinstilled the sense of, of like purpose and joy in my life. And we spent, we, we watched die hard on Christmas, ate dinosaur chicken nuggets. I cooked hamburgers in Germany and we, we drank like 50 beers between the two of us just sitting there, just hanging out. Uh, And then we went to, you know, Budapest and we traveled around a bit and uh, he kind of like, was like, okay, so what's your next move? This was the question he kept asking me when we were traveling. So what's your next move? And I was like, well, I'm going to go back and I'm going to, I'm going to try and figure out my shit and find a job that I like and, and start, you know, tearing up the world again. And he was like, fuck yeah, I'll support that. And, and so I, he's the godfather to my children and he still is just such an amazing human being, but Mm you have to have the support of people like that. You have to have somebody who's willing to go out on a limb and kind of, you know, and it doesn't always have to be family. Like, you know, between 
Devin and Sean. Yeah, what, sometimes whatever. it won't be. I mean, there, sometimes there's too much history there, and yeah. there and there's you can't get past. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. shit. And so, you know, I like to this day, like that's uh, my parents, Big Dan, and uh, you know my wife are the people that saved my life. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'd probably be, you know, wandering the streets of Philadelphia. Like crying about Eagles losses, <laughs> just so. sad about things that weren't really what was making you sad, man. No. How they feel, and I think you know at the beginning of my transformations, it sounds a lot like yours, where the supporting cast steps up. At first, my my supporting cast was very small, and most of the people I knew were sort of not only convinced that I wouldn't. Uh, succeed in becoming a better person, but they were sort of rooting against it. There was really a lot of people that wanted to see me down. And I think that's what happens when you talk about what you described when all that history is built. I think this poor bastard just has so many people that he has to climb out against that he can't make himself a free climb. And, and becoming involved with me did allow that. So, you know, I think God works in those kinds of ways. I could have done without, as the guy's mom told me I was the worst thing she'd ever seen in 73 years because I was being vocal about Devin being crappy. And I'm like, I'm sorry, lady. I, I'm helping your kid go through like a psychological evaluation, get his shit together. If that means I'm the worst person because I expect his brother to be involved in that process and he won't, then I guess that's what it is. You know, parents, they, like I look at my kids and parents take it all personally. And mm-hmm. she's probably in some ways projecting onto you, like her inability to help him specifically. Uh, yeah. And or I, his inability to maybe accept her help too. Right. I, exactly. I don't necessarily need to yeah. shoulder the responsibility on this mother. Mothers have it fucking rough. Man. Oh God. Uh, but just acknowledge when a guy's trying yeah. to help just well, cause he also believes your other ones. I think Devin's a turd dude. I don't mind saying <laughs> it. What do you want? You know? I, um, uh, you know, I my my whole history with Devin has been categorically um, like wrong, and I I just think that like in many ways he's he's you know we get back to that sense of privilege in many ways, mm. and he's mm. speaking from a privileged position of catching a paycheck and delineating rules through mm. the the governmental system, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. And essentially, the the problem that he had was that people and their livelihoods were starting to become affected by inactivity. Yes, and 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 his answer to that was just be nice. Yeah, and that's at a certain point in time, like he's got to throw the mirror on themselves and look at himself and be like, "Well, was it nice that we're putting this person's?" like livelihood out of business where we're putting their family at risk. Like legitimately I've, I've, I've worked six, seven days a week for the last 10 to 12 weeks while we were shut down since June 9th. And then even before that, trying to make sure that my family doesn't lose the house that we live in, that my kids have, you know, toothpaste, Mm -hmm. they can, they can have a fresh toothbrush Mm -hmm. that we can Mm -hmm. afford laundry detergent that we can afford food you know, luckily my son loves Top Ramen, so, I mean... Well, if he, we get some cameras, Devin will bring those things so the papers will take pictures of him doing it. Right. If you need that. My thing is, I'm not convinced he's real naive. When I've read that thing he did to the 4th Street, the guy out there with the RV, he wanted to move the temporary shelter oh, yeah. out there. The guy had a legitimate 
thing. It's like, yo, you're going to move our entire homeless population next door to my business without telling me, without asking anything, without just, I mean, this kind of stuff needs to go to a public notice and have meetings. None of that happened. And the response from Reese in the paper was, Welp, I'll see you in court. Fuck you, man. I shouldn't have to go to court against my councilman to be able to keep my livelihood. And I'm right. sorry that you don't value service people that you think they should be all working in factories and and making Tesla rich. So Tesla keeps lying. And, you know, I get Meanwhile, it. Meanwhile, not paying taxes. Meanwhile, not paying taxes. And and when you put it down to the brass, like what you just said, when you when you're really thinking about the toothpaste in your home. Some guy telling you to be nice has the exact opposite effect, especially when you know he's not being nice. When it just comes down to like, like, look, focus, just focus on what the issue is. And that's what the state has just befuddlingly fucked up in the last six months Mm. is if if we're trying to get through COVID. That's like what the focus, the the original focus on the original shutdown was to allow the hospitals enough time to, to prepare. We didn't use one single bed of that ICU, COVID ICU here as as far as I know. I got friends that work in the hospitals and, you know, they constantly, they're, they're dealing with COVID reality, Mm -hmm. but they're also dealing with like ineffectiveness um, Mm -hmm. from like a managerial standpoint from the very, very top of the state. And when you really think about, like, I I fucking hate the, well, wear a mask for Nevadans because Nevadans, or do this for Nevadans, or do that for Nevadans. That's such a manipulation. The, the people that are coming into the state aren't Nevadans. But meanwhile, you're they're the ones that are predicating who's getting and who's not getting the virus in many ways. And who's getting and not getting the money. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And... And then the businesses like my own or, you know, like yours are, are being shut down for the sake of Nevadans. Meanwhile, we're, we're still attracting, we're, we're still relying on tourism. So you can't rely on tourism and then preach that Nevadans are the ones that are causing Mm -hmm. all the issues because that's counterintuitive to the whole concept. Mm -hmm. You can't bring people in from San Francisco or from LA down to Vegas and tell me that those people aren't having an effect on the health of the of the the communities down there, mm-hmm. and and then meanwhile you want to sit back from your high chair and be like, well, yeah, but it's it's the bars or the coffee shops or the, this guys. or it's that, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it it's but, but meanwhile we can have we can have the GSR <laughs> with their two thousand rooms full to the gills in the pool you got like titties out at the pool dude the atlantis was jamming the other night i went there to just get a slice of cheesecake for my wife on her anniversary she loves the atlantis happy cheesecake. anniversary by the way thank you my friend i, I appreciate that I, th- I read what you put on uh facebook you know we're we're very much alike we we lucked out with uh, dude, our lady pyramid i think uh at some point i'll get the chance to tell you the story of uh meeting my wife and how that changed and it's it's gonna be pretty cra- it was crazy to watch you tell that because he's heard me tell mine a lot of times so i'm sure from like the third party it was even it's so parallel it's it's out of this world you know i i am a firm believer in love at first sight because yeah, yeah. i've i have fully experienced it. oh my god and it's it is unreal cool like so just 
Yeah, because I, I got yeah. that like fresh bubbly yeah, feeling. Buddy. So like, uh, my sister's wedding was on Friday, and so we had like a little bachelor party for my my brother in law on Wednesday. I was living in um, like the kind of the midtown Arlington area, and uh, my little brother, myself, we go out and we're we're drinking, and they're you know they're like, "Who is this girl?" And I was like, "She's the one." She is the one. And then, like, my little brother is, you know, he's, God, he's, like, almost 10 years younger than me. And he's like, shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> and Colin, my, my brother-in-law, is like, Tyler, you're drunk. And I'm like, no, this this chick is the one. And so we, I end up bringing her to the wedding, and she sits with, you know, a couple of my family members. They're like, oh, you're your Tyler's date because my sister, my, my wife is like gorgeous, and mm-hmm. I'm, I far outkicked my coverage there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I got lucky in that. <laughs> we definitely are sevens with ten. Yeah. Sevens with tens dot com. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and <laughs> and it's just funny because like we're sitting there and everybody at the wedding's like, "You're here with Tyler," and I'm like, "Yeah, she's with me." Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, as it happened, like. We she saw me in action uh, because my we had a dog get loose at the wedding and it killed a cat in the middle of the ceremony <laughs> and like literally everybody's like what is going on and I'm like buckle up guys <laughs> and I, I like I yelled to Erica and I was like will you grab the Jameson out of my car because I always rock around with a bottle of Jameson and she's like yes and I take like my whole family inside the house and I was like. Everybody take a shot. That's a memory of the cat. But today's not about the cat. Today's about Celeste's wedding. And so let's make it a fucking great time and forget about the cat. And nice. and my wife was like, you took charge of that situation really well. And I was like, <laughs> I was like you're goddamn right I did. <laughs> Me and Captain Jameson. And, and then everybody had a great time. And now it's kind of one of those things where it's like, at every Gregory wedding, we have to sacrifice a cat to the... <laughs> not really we don't we don't sacrifice cats no cats were hurt in the uh all the other weddings we've had well you know it was fun it, i mean but that was kind of like you know it was like take a shot of jameson and then we went out and danced together and and just had a fantastic evening and everybody yeah. at the wedding was like cinched it uh, up. you were right that's that lady is fucking phenomenal how and, long from that date did you get married how long uh, later was it? Uh, so we did things kind of backwards. She was pregnant in um, literally like 10 weeks after that. Yep. So Took charge of that situation too. Yeah. Good work. We, I mean, literally from the minute we met each other, it wasn't like, I mean, I was 32. My wife was 34 mm-hmm. at that point in time. And we were... 26. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we were kind of just moving through these like, stages really quick like hey do you want kids yes like first date asking like you want kids yes do you want this yeah, yes yeah, yeah. and we went through it and it was like check 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 yep. check but we already knew it's the kind of what you yeah. have to do when you're 34 or 32 you know? yes yeah. well you just cut through all the bullshit to brass, yeah you'd already lived tax. all your yeah. stuff yeah i'm like mm-hmm. i live by myself i'm self-sustaining i got no 
like I don't need another person in my life unless they actually want to be part of my they life. Add something to it, hell yeah! And hell and yeah. and that was she definitely added uh, an incredible amount to my life, and I'm like so thankful. We got two kids, two amazing kids. Um, Ainsley, my daughter, was born um, in July before we got married, and uh, you know she. Uh, we went through all these trials and tribulations with that pregnancy and it, it kind of solidified. I like, I, I joke with all my siblings. I got seven siblings and I, I joke with them and that I'm like, Hey, you guys should make sure you get the, your spouse pregnant or you should get pregnant first before you move into the, like the marriage material, just to make sure you guys can handle adversity. And they, they're like, I think that's kind of backwards. And I'm like, no, it's totally fine. Yeah, like, we'll see. Like, you can <laughs> we'll see how this plays. Yeah, you know, you it's like people that get married when they haven't lived together. It's yeah. like, really? Like now you get now you can live together because yeah. you got a, a signature on a piece of paper. Like yeah, yeah, it's true. You don't know what that guy's shit smells like. Everybody, <laughs> <laughs> it's usually gross. Men <laughs> yeah. are just gross. I I have to constantly. I'm sniffing all the time and blowing my nose. And I look over. My wife's just got like horrified eyes <laughs> i'm sorry i'm such a gross human i i um i'm like that signature guy that gets home from work and i just like derobe and throw on comfies <laughs> and we had like a joke at the house that you couldn't show up for dinner with a shirt on because like i would just be like fuck it no shirt i'm good like i it's so constraining yeah <laughs> yeah like I, plus it takes away your ability to look over your shoulder and give one of these that's <laughs> yeah that's totally true as well so i i mean it's like i've never been more blessed in my life than uh than what has happened with my wife and my kids and you know the way that things have kind of turned around and the support that i got from my family like it's it you know it's imperative you know my sister jessica my my other sister kelsey my sister celeste my brother mace and my brother garrison um my sister sky just went off to college like she's 18 i'm 37 i'm like eons older than her um mm -hmm. but i've got incredible support and we you know we keep in contact and we fight and we but at the end of the day we're always family and yeah um i think that's essential to my um, my situation is knowing that, like, while my sister in Santa Cruz, Jessica, is struggling with air quality and COVID, that I'm here struggling with COVID and other things, and that we can be a, a, a band box together and kind of, you know, sit on the phone for 45 minutes and bitch and moan, and then kind of, for the first 10 or 15, and then kind of chop it up and... Uh, you know, talk about all the other stupid shit in our lives that's a lot more fun than COVID and the miserable parts of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's what everybody's forgot about in 2020 is that everybody's like, worst year. 2020 is not the worst year. 2020 has actually brought people back to the reality that yeah. they need to start to find the positives in things. Well, and, and take action steps. Exactly. And, yeah, man. Like, stop... Like, everybody's become so complacent. Like, oh, life is just going to flow on me like a river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Somebody should give me 1500 a month just yeah, to live. This is what I'm going to do. <laughs> and it's... Instead, We've really put... We're in an exploded view of our world. We yeah. can see all the components right now. Exactly. And mm -hmm. I think it's... I think it's actually really cool. Like, I, I have opened a business in 2020. I have struggled to keep it functioning. I've opened another mm -hmm. business to keep 
that other business going. going. <laughs> and then I like that's I, why we're here. Hi, we're in a podcast studio, keeping yeah. a concert business going. <laughs> How's it going? But, that, but that's I mean that's essentially the coolest shit ever. Like when you look back on 2020, 2020 is going to be the year that made or broke you in yeah. many ways for a yeah, lot of people. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't have to be worded like that. 2020 is just and I, I think this is what it what it means to be like a recovering human being. Like mm. to have hit bottom mm-hmm. is that this shit this shit is just another day for people that are recovering from addiction or recovering yeah, from yeah, other stuff. Already want, you already know how heavy every day is. Yeah. Exactly. So just and and what you know when you tell people that are recovering from all this stuff, it's find the positives in in waking up every morning and find mm-hmm. that uh you know gratitude for the ordinary man exactly that's what it is yes you know find those gratitudes and yep, yep, yep. you know and those affirmations that people get you know that that are so incredibly important um you know i i was never much for like affirmations but mm. um God, damn it they're good they are i, I mean again like they're so good i'm i'm kind of like a sci-fi horror movie nerd mm-hmm. like i a fucking like the friday the 13th series is my jimmy jam um my cousin and i when we were like eight and nine years old had this uh we had the spreadsheet that we created because computers were like still like dos systems bullshit and uh it was a boob to kill ratio and uh (laughs) friday the 13th had the highest rating and so we became like huge advocates for that uh series of movies to the point where we went and saw no, Jason X in the theater. And I remember that. There was like two other people in the theater, and my my cousin and I were so stoned, just laughing our ass <laughs> off the entire. It's the funniest movie I've ever seen in in the theater. Is Jason X, and uh, but it was really bad. It was it was incredible. That that scene where he picks up the the sleeping bag and is just. <laughs> Just like hammering, the, swinging the chick against the tree. <laughs> I, I think I Too about much. lost my shit. Too uh, much. It was awesome. But I like those people are having bad days. Like yeah. horror movies, sci-fi movies, like all that type of shit. Those like that's those are some legit bad days. Yeah. You're getting haunted by a, a fucking 300 pound hockey mask wearing mother loving uh, like masked murderer machete wielding. Like, God, yeah, motherfucker! Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Fuck. And yeah, that's a bad day. That's a bad day. Yeah, yeah, and that's I like like bad days. Like waking up hungover, shit. You did it to yourself. Like yeah. figure it out, move yeah, on, your, keep your going. Suspension broke on your truck. Yeah, yeah get it figured out. Yeah. yeah, I mean, find a way to pay for it. If you can't find a way to pay for it, find a way to work to pay for it. I feel like uh, if if twenty twenty is breaking a person, that they ought just go ahead and let themselves break a little bit. Because this might be the year that your healing begins. Hell yeah. Sometimes it just takes that kind of pressure. Yeah. I, I mean, I look at my wife. My wife has, I mean, never experienced anything like this. Yeah. And, um, you know, she's gone through a little bit of a transition in, in the last little bit. And, you know, she's still very, very skeptical about, you know, resubmitting herself into society in many ways. But yeah. she's, she's tethered at the hip to me who, you know, I... You're out there. I, I, you know, I, I have to be as as careful as possible. But yeah. um, you know, I we talk every night, every night about this, every night about that, and it's you know, there's just not 
a whole lot of people that are, I think, addressing the real issues. You know, like if you're worried about COVID, it's probably because you're out of shape and you're you're not taking care of yourself in in a general way. I was 287 pounds in on March 15th. Wow. And I was like, oh shit, I'm the fattest I've ever been. And I have asthma. And I was like, this is a respiratory disease. Like, yeah. this is how I was being pitched. So as opposed to sitting there and locking myself up in my house, I started running. Yeah. Started with a half mile. Then it was three quarters of a mile. There the next you go. And then, but I lost 50 pounds. Fuck yeah, you did. But the thing is, I took ownership of my, if I was going to, yeah. if I was going to go down, I'm going down fighting. Yeah, right, right, and right, right. That's the approach, whether it's business, family, or anything that I think at the end of the day, like not to kick Devin Reese while he's down, but telling me to be nice when I've been, when I'm working when that, yeah, when I'm everything. working about mm-hmm. like, it's not, there's nothing nice about this, this situation. This isn't a be nice mo- moment. No, yeah. no. There is this n- is not a moment for you to be flinging notes on my fucking businesses. No. This is not a moment for you to be telling me that I as a service person don't matter as much because I'm not essential. It's certainly not the, mo- you know, you want to help, go fucking make a phone call to Dieter and get my money. Yeah. That's what you can do for me. Stop placating me. No, that's it. I mean, just stop, stop placating and actually address issues. Yeah. Like, start with, I mean, our government on a communal level needs to start addressing one issue. Start with one and just mm-hmm. figure out how to fix one issue in our in our community and then mirror that and try and find a way to fix a second one and then yeah. the third one. One would think they'd start with the easy ones. This city was given relief funding for small businesses and it should have just been distributed but they're making people go through a process of applying and they make it hard. And, and why do they do that? Because then at the end, when we're no longer in a pandemic, everything that didn't get put out gets to go drop into the general fund. So of this 46 mil, maybe a few million dollars goes out in small business relief efforts to their friends who they're telling how to get through the process quickly. Oh. And the rest of that's going to dump right into the city's general fund. Oh, I'd be curious to know how much is still available. You know what it reminds me of is in uh, in 2008 when I owned my house, I uh, I signed up for every. The government had all those like mortgage relief funds, mm. so I don't know if if you how familiar you guys are with this one, but like George W had this this one. It was like we're gonna help out, you know, home relief, give everybody help. So they spent it was something like. $200 million, they helped 276 homeowners. Wow. So nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Where did and that money go? I, I literally was in... I can't imagine a, everyone in that involved got a million dollars. There's no chance. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was literally looking for like $40,000 worth of help or to roll my mortgage onto a 40-year and just stretch out the the yeah, the yeah just payment. help me out somewhere. You'll yeah. get more interest. I'll I'll get a more manageable payment. Blah 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 blah. And I finally I, I was spending ten to fifteen hours on the phone. You know, with India, Bangladesh. I yeah, occasionally really get have. somebody in the U.S., but it was it was fucking few and far between. And I finally got this dude. I wish I could remember his name. I think I wrote it down somewhere. It was like a it was like Mike or Chris or something. And he was in. New York, and I was like, "Man, 
I'm really struggling. I'm on the phone with you guys for 10 or 15 hours, like a week, trying to just like figure out how we're going to make this thing work because I want to hold on to my house. And he was like, can I be frank with you? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, you're an FHA loan for $336,000. We're not doing shit with you. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, no, that your loan is secured by the FHA so, which means that Citibank, who owns your loan, is going to get their full amount for it. Then they're going to take your house, and then they're going to then they're going to sell it, and so they're going to get everything times two for your house. And I was like, "Excuse me," and he's you're like, not paying off your house. He's Citibank. Yeah. Is he's like, they're never going to do anything for you because if they were to give you fifty thousand dollars, they're going to lose six hundred thousand dollars. And I was like, it took me. Like, it was like a mind even process. Yeah, it was like a mind blow moment where it was like, so even if I short sold, I short sold my house. I bought my house for three hundred thirty six thousand dollars in two thousand six. I sold it for one hundred nineteen thousand dollars in two thousand ten. So even with them eating the two hundred thousand dollars because it was FHA insured, they got that two hundred thousand dollars back. Then they they got to sell that house again and make the money on it. That's a it's a special kind of system we live in. Fuck, you it's, know? and that that was why I was so like disenfranchised with the U.S. for so long. I tried to I I mean I lived in Italy when I in two thousand three. I tried to move to Germany for God's sake. Yeah, to to try and get you away. You actually from this. did make a, an effort. <laughs> I I tried my ass off. I can remember the day I I chose to come home. I slept in a. They had freezing rain. I've never seen freezing rain before. Cobblestone roads and freezing rain. Uh, when your town is built on like a 14% downgrade, like imagine being in like Boulder and there's freezing rain and I slipped and bumped and ate shit so many times. I slept in a Sparkasa fucking ATM bank. Oh, cause I was like, I can't walk anymore. I'm going to just kill my, like, I'm like, we were watching cars yeah. literally like slide backwards on the road that had been parked for hours because the rain, like, Freezing rain is no joke, man. And that was, I was like, you know, if you're sleeping in a Spark Castle bank, like ATM bank, maybe it's time to go back to Reno and figure shit out. And it was like, go home, Tyler. Yeah. (laughs) And it's cool because I, like, I still look back on that time in Germany and it was the best, like, some of the most, like, healing time of my life. I read, I watched movies. I played video games. I beat like six video games, and I don't play video games. Yeah, I, like all the God of Wars. I was like Fucking Ares. <laughs> like, yeah, it was it was rad. Yeah, but you opened yourself up as a human being, man. That's a real Renaissance experience you're describing. I've, you know, I took a little walkabout. I, I, uh, I really think that you know the Australians, the uh, New Zealanders, do that incredibly well you know even you know look at the amish with like rumspringa and they you know it's important for people to actually take some time and and kind of re-identify themselves in many ways and we don't we're as a culture americans don't do that at all like we're we're systematic we're you go to school one through 12 you go to college you get a job you have kids white picket fence and then i i was just talking to my um to Jacob Grusin, who's my manager down at the barn, he just gave us his notice uh, because he got a job in the Bay. And he's been stressing about it. And I was like, Jacob, 
this is really, this is good. This is a positive thing, man. Like, don't worry about me. I'll be fine. We'll figure this shit out. But, like, and he's been, he's getting, he's finally leaving that box and that comfort level that he's developed. Get out and see what's out there. And it's, for me, it's it's almost therapeutic to watch him go through it because I'm like, oh, it's going to be so good in five years. You have no idea. Like, you're going to kill it. I've been telling people a lot lately what a pleasure it is to observe their journey. Yeah. You're no different. It's been fucking cool to watch you grow since 2009. Yeah. I mean, I was a shit. Like, and I I give all the respect to my kids. I mean, my kids every day ground me. Mm. So, and my wife, like, this morning, I went and played golf yesterday and, you know, me and a few friends finally have a day off because we've been grinding. And, you know, we had a, a couple of cocktails. And I wake up this morning, my wife goes, you're so amazing. Make sure you get a couple cocktails in the morning to, to hedge that hangover. And I was like, I love you, booby. I love you. And, you know me so well. And, and no, she's not from New York. That's just the voice. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love you, booby. Uh, yeah. My, my Aunt Felicia... In Staten Island, she um, she literally like we go out. And, we we used to go stay with her every once in a while, and uh, you'd wake up on. She'd be, "Do you boys need any coffee?" And she's hammering cigarettes. And <laughs> oh, no coffee. Do you guys need a beer? Um, oh, no, beer. you good. All right, no beer. All right. Well, if you got, if you boys need anything, I'm just outside smoking cigarettes all day. And you're just like, "Fuck, get out of here!" Right <laughs> Hey, it's been a real pleasure to have you in here, man. Yeah, uh, you are a hell of a guy. It's 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 cool to see just local people making that run at life and hearing about it. I mean, you don't you don't get to sit down and, and understand the guy that owns Packs and Pints to that level. So it was nice uh, of you to share all that. Hey, you know, thanks for having me in. I uh, I've I, like I was joking with my wife that I'm making like my media tour. Like after, (laughs) after 10 years of pulling myself out of the depths, like I'm finally like comfortable in my own skin to where like I, like when I was working at the stick, Steve and I, we'd, he'd have these media spots and he'd be like, are you going to do it this week? And I'm like, no, fuck you. (laughs) Like, No, not going to happen. But, uh, you know, I, I, I got, I got my swagger back a little bit and Uh. I, you know, I, and I, I just implore people. You know, whoever's listening, just find one thing and and do it, and then find the second thing and and do it maybe as well as you do the one thing, and then mm-hmm. keep developing. You know, don't ever stop, don't ever become complacent. That's it. Yeah, and that's I mean, that's pretty much. I didn't know that I was like a a math whiz until I started doing accounting. Look and at that! It's like all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, yeah. Square root of this. <laughs> You're just jamming through them. Yeah, I, I love it. While listening to Supernatural on TNT. Like, <laughs> fucking, that's my jam. I love it, dude. Yeah. Tyler Gregory, what else is there to say? That's Thank you very fun. much, yeah. man. Thanks. You uh, have a good day out there in the real world. The real world, it's what you make it.